0: Thirty-two counties. Thirty-two questions. My name is Una, and my name is Andrea, and this is United United Ireland. Ireland. Every week, we take a county and dive into an issue relevant to that county, and then see where in the world it brings us. This week's county is Waterford, and this week's question: Are there too many festivals and not enough tickets? With thousands of people heading to all together now in Waterford this weekend, it's clear that there's still room for a festival with good vibe, cracking lineup. Of course. But the concert calendar in Ireland, in case you haven't noticed, looks pretty crowded this summer. Or is it possible that our appetite for live music in a field is insatiable? I think so. I sweat for all the festivals. And what about the tickets to those gigs and how they're sold? When people were losing their minds uh, about the tickets to Lizzo's show and the Olympia vanishing in seconds, only to be resold by Ticketmaster at inflated prices, it rightly shone the light again on that ticket seller's practices. So we're going to be talking to Jim Carroll about shady Ticketmaster goings on and that packed festival calendar. And we're also going to be chatting to Amy O'Connor about her home county of Waterford. Andrea, I was so bereft, (laughs) even though we had the amazing Louise McSharry in as co-host for one of the episodes, but you're back. I'm back. And you're better than ever.
1: Better, well, that's it. A question that will hang over my head for another day we'll say but yes she's back she's energized she's ready to unite this
0: island <laughs> great um, how was your weeks while i was gone really good yeah um got the pods done Um yeah. with lovely andrew here who's smiling over at me and with susie bennett as well so all good and what about what, outside of podcast world? How are your weeks? Well, I'm not going to All Together Now this weekend or as Fontaine's DC say, All Together
2: Now
0: but I will be going to the Gays Film Festival which opens on Thursday and always has loads of great films so that's where I'm going to be spending my weekend and I had a good time at Galway International Arts Festival as you were well. there twice? I was there twice doing some talks. Everything was fine apart from some douchebag who... Um, we, myself, and Sarah were walking down the street, and he goes, "We don't accept lesbians here." So then, obviously, I chased after him. <laughs> and well, I, I to, saw your tweet. It was like I made him apologize. I like, like I would did. not like to be that guy. His friend was, um it's like I didn't say anything, and the other guy ran away. And I was like, "What's your friend's name?" And he completely sold him out straight away. He was like Tom. <laughs> so I ran after him and then gave him a good talking to. And he hid his face. He was so ashamed. Were you best friends by the end of it? No, I still <laughs> love him. And but did you meet on a common ground no. somewhere? No, I think he was just, you know, it wasn't even, I feel like it wasn't even actual homophobia. It was almost as if he was making fun of something homophobic someone would say. Because he was just like, I'm only messing, I'm only messing. I was like, don't care if you're messing. It's still, you can't just. Still saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but apart from that goal, so hot, Tom, you sap. So <laughs> apart from that goal, it was brilliant, and I have taken up sea swimming. Oh my God! What
1: my landlord of chop hop swims every single morning. And he's like, I fit the fiddle because of it.
0: Well, now I'm one of these people who thinks they've done it for twenty years because you've done it like when the sun's shining three times. I've literally done it three <laughs> times <laughs> in in a week and a half. But now I'm full of advice for everyone, looking Vico at the tides,
1: high tide. No, we're yeah. going
0: at sea point. Um, but right. then um, my friend Ben, who always has to be right about everything, was talking about how, um, according to Greenpeace, the Irish Sea is the most radioactive. Radioactive piece of water in the world so if I come out like blinky the fish (laughs) from the Simpsons with third eye you know what happened Stinger Mm
1: -hmm. How about you? (laughs) I I loved your use of Stinger recently I can't remember what it was but we'll go back to that Um, I have had the three weeks of hectic the most hectic three weeks of my life. I was at the best wedding in the world. Um, hey, James and Brian. That was like oh, it was just Charlotte Church played at it. It was just bananas, amazing. Uh, and then I was in Croatia sim- swimming in the sea, but there's a lot of sea urchins, and apparently they're delicious. I was wa- watching a cooking show, but they're not delicious to stand on. So they're a bit <laughs> <laughs> they're a bit of like you're like oh I love swimming ah I hate swimming, and then. I was Nash Galling for uh, a while. With your
0: amazing exhibition, the National Gallery.
1: Yes, which is going brilliant, which is fab. There's a six week supporting programme. So do look up and go to some of the things. Awesome. It's just so cute. But yeah, back to like having mornings off again.
0: Phew. So that was our week. Now let's talk about the week that was. The week that was, loads of stuff happening in Dublin during the week, including Dublin City Council uh, turning down permission for a merchant's key to open up Ireland's first... And democratically as well. Op- Fair enough. Opening up Ireland's first uh, supervised injection facility, something that has been spoken about for so long. Um, and uh, one of the kind of lines in the thing is about the impact on the tourist economy. Uh, listen, people who have addiction issues and need clean needles and need a safe place to inject live in this city too. They're not just visiting for the weekend. Um, this is, you know, something that is best practice and uh, the fact that it's not happening now is, uh, well, it's just a betrayal of the people who actually need help, help or
1: services in the city. In the city yeah. By the people who are meant to be looking out for the people in the city and not just all the tourist
0: dollars. In other um drug-related news. <laughs> um, it's been a week for drugs, hasn't it? been a week for drugs. An ex-judge who was uh, the chairman of that expert group on um, the decriminalisation of drugs basically just came out and, and was talking about how it was the grave dangers of cannabis use and that it shouldn't happen and seemed to not necessarily be Uh, taking or not vocalising the evidence that was presented to the committee as much as other people were and said this really weird thing as well that I saw Lynn Ruan talking about, about how um, the threat of imprisonment is kind of a good jumping off point for going into treatment. It's like, mate, how long are you retired? Have you been down the district courts? That is not how it works. So bananas that he's because it came out as a minority
1: report against the majority of the people in that
0: minority report.
1: (laughs) I felt so
0: official there. You but know, that's it's my just... favourite movie, Minority Report. Oh, do you know what mine is? Go on. <laughs> okay. oh, oh, You asked for it. Oh, Made in Manhattan again. I actually see here on our list. <laughs> I'm not joking. Andrea has as one of the items down. Made in Manhattan. No, it's not. Jayla turned 50 this week, which was
1: looked like the party of the century. And she is the star of Made in Manhattan and also the incoming hustlers. But did you see, like, A, she is just like a freak of nature she's just so insanely amazing for 50 she's beautiful yeah and then she knows how to party she was literally throwing herself around that room A-Rod was doing films all over the place it was like it looked like the sesh of seshes Go, yeah.
0: J- go, J Lo! Thanks J-lo. for making
1: me ma- made Manhattan.
0: <laughs> um, back uh, from the block to the North Inner City in Parnell Square, the cultural quarter that was long mooted uh, the different plans for that involving you know music spaces and the li- library, new library, and all that kind of crack. That is toast. Um, basically, it was decided that the way they were going to try and figure it out by getting loads of it philanthropically funded. Which seemed like a bit of pie in the sky at the time, um, you know, wasn't going to happen, and the costs escalating with regards to kind of the the costs that were involved went from sixty million or something to one hundred and thirty million. So, own Keegan um, Honcho down there on Woodkey and Dublin City Council has basically said, "No, we'll just defer it all." You know, he's we- taking
1: a lot of things into his own
0: hands and not putting it to the actual council, isn't he? Well, the councillors don't really have that much power. In a, in a weird way I mean it's the executive that has the power mm. in Dublin City Council um, you know and, and I've written a lot about Owen Keegan quite negatively because of these kind of things and mm. um, he is quite bullish as a character in terms of how he goes about doing things in my opinion and uh, so I feel like
1: you kind of have to be to get shit done but if you're just going to be cutting things all the time and not giving reasonable reasons why things aren't happening it's just no 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 it feels like yeah
0: I mean, the, the the council are going to go ahead and build their own library. Um, but the other things that were meant to be happening there um, aren't happening.
1: But well, I think it was like that Fintan O'Toole article today that was in the Irish Times is really interesting. It was like if it was all about sport, like the same day that the Ryder Cup is announced for Ireland, we're saying no culture for the north side. We can't afford to do it. How can we get money for all this, all the Ryder Cup shenanigans? That's all coming from our coffers like yeah. we're paying for that why can't we pay for culture
0: yeah it's going to be over 50 million euro i think the cost that the government's going to put in that i mean lo- i mean that thing the fint was saying you know we should just call culture sport and then we get loads of money i yeah. mean and people were saying as well you know the 16 million euro that goes to irish greyhound racing every year which is pretty unethical sport mm. considering that they just kill loads of dogs that can't run fast enough but so then, like
1: i was thinking about it and i was like okay sport makes money that's the way our government works but art makes money, culture makes money. Like, we could, this could make money back. So I just don't know where the disconnect of it is.
0: Yeah, I think it's kind of an ideological thing. Like, Fine Gael are pretty shoddy when it comes to funding the arts. Like, Ireland has a terrible, um, you know, record of funding the arts, particularly in recent years. At European Standard, we're one of mm. the lowest, if not yeah. the lowest, um, you know, percentage wise. So until it's time to roll out
1: the, like, For Shane to go and meet them at the airport and celebrate the arts. Uh, Yeah,
0: let's not have Shane Ross be involved in any more than he
1: already is. He's going to collect that uh, porcelain dildo. I
0: think. If you need a good, good Twitter thread, Sex Shopper talking about the haunted Irish dildo is the greatest Irish victory in recent years. So amazing. Fair play to Shauna. And so we also have uh, the looming figure of Boris Johnson uh, casting a shadow over the week. I'm just looking at Sterling um, today, actually, and uh, Fallen Off Cliff, kind of. It's 109, 109. Uh, 1 euro 9 cent to the pound now which is kind of bananas but they had their phone call Leo, it was warm it was warm I was looking at that what was so <laughs> a warm phone call <laughs> or tepid um, yes Leo Varadkar and Boris Johnson have spoken du, to each du, other du. and uh, we'll see what happens I mean obviously Boris Johnson is not going to change his spots he is flying that plane into that mountain and nothing is going to stop him so we were, are going to be talking about Brexit in a later episode in great detail. So we'll leave. When something actually happens. Yeah. <laughs> Halloween. So those, those are the things that happened this week.
1: Waterford facts. I have learned so much again today. I just, this is my favourite part of the podcast. I just learned so much. Uh, Ireland's elder city founded by the Vikings in 914 A.D., where did the Vikings go? They're very handsome, but Iceland. obviously... Iceland. Uh, raging. Not really raging, because Iceland is a very nice place. And it has a population of 53,504. This is something that the Vikings brought. This is probably why I'm not raging they're gone. The phrase pay through the nose came from the fact that the Vikings were so fierce that... The native Not tri- in a
0: dragway.
1: <laughs> not, in, not in a dragway. Well, maybe in a dragway. They wore dresses. Um, <laughs> they were so fierce that even the normally lethal native tribe of Waterford, they were pretty fierce as well, I heard, not wearing dresses. Um, but they were forced into submission and were only too happy to play shrona, which is known as Nose Money, which is not what is known in Dublin as Nose Money, because that's a, a very expensive habit. Um, it is something that they paid in order to keep their noses on their faces uh. I know thank god the Vikings are gone good looking or not the denazification is the origin of the expression to pay through the nose wow I yeah. did not know that's that. why cocaine goes
0: through your nose as well <laughs> because of the Vikings Yeah, it's all connected
1: the tricolour was created by a Waterford man called Thomas Francis Marr which is really interesting and flew for the first time on the 7th of March 1848 stunning um, in terms of businesses, obviously Waterford Crystal you would think is the most obvious export with crystal production in the city dating back to the 18th century. However, in a way that always happens, now it's made in places like Slovenia, the Czech Republic and Germany. But, an interesting fact that I loved, Waterford Crystal made the 2,688 crystals for the famous New Year's Eve ball that it's dropped each year in New York in uh, Times Square. And the two other companies that are interesting that are from Waterford are Ryanair and Jacob's Biscuits. I always thought Jacob's Biscuits was founded on the Belgarde Road because I used to have to walk past it every day coming home from school, Um, but it wasn't. Uh, The first GAA competition was held in Tremor in 1885. Hmm. See, Waterford has so much shit. Uh, The reason we dye Rivers Green and do the 12 pubs in March is due to Luke Wadding, who was a Franciscan, no, Franciscan well he was a priest (laughs) who had St. Patrick's Day made into a feast day which is like international now Green Rivers in New York Uh, ETS Walton was the first man to split the atom wow that like this is bananas I can't believe all this shit happened in Waterford and the only Irish man to win the Nobel Prize for Science and Robert Boyle is hailed as the father of chemistry and is most famous for Boyle's Law which I learned about today do you know Boyle's Law?
0: like I forgot it tell
1: me it is the pressure of gas uh, changes due to volume if mass and something else stay the same. Wow. Yeah. Taking up chemistry, I'd say. I did
0: chemistry oh, for my Leaving Cert. Did you? Yeah. Um, but I did it in through Irish, so... Oh, God. When people... One of the only five talks in the
1: country are in the Waterford is Oh, on. yeah.
0: Um, around Ring, isn't it? Is it? No. Who knows? Hang on, I need to Google that. Wait. That's terrible. Wait a second. Ring but more remarkable than yeah what is ring in Waterford why did I even doubt myself
1: (laughs) have more belief in yourself (laughs) maybe more impressive um, and remarkable than the splitting of the atom is the fact and definitely more delicious is the fact that the bacon curing process like bacon and rashers, was invented in Waterford no it wasn't swear to god I don't lie
0: that is amazing
1: yeah And given the subjects that we're talking about today, Festival Central, so Waterford Wall Street Art Festival is down there, um, home to All Together Now, which we're going to talk about, which in a year has become the most buzzed about festival in Ireland, fair to say. And this weekend, Spree Festival is happening, which is an international street arts festival that attracts approximately 100,000 people. Go Waterford. It's got it all. I can't get over it. Congratulations,
0: Waterford. (laughs) Our extended county rep this week is a woman who is close to all of our hearts because of her amazing writing and general brilliance, I feel. And to get to know Waterford a little bit better, Amy O'Connor is in the house. Amy is a journal queen, the legend, who rose to international fame when her article asking Irish TDs and senators what they thought of Beyonce went viral. Such a good service to journalism in general. She is proud Waterford woman, big fan of Waterford hurling which is a subject close to Andre's heart. Go on, ball game. <laughs> and she's here to talk to us about Waterford because one of the things that we're doing of course at United Ireland is rooting these episodes in place and so we want to know what is going on in different counties and what people are talking about. Amy welcome.
3: Thank you very much for having me. What an intro.
0: <laughs> when I say when mm. someone says Waterford or, or or talks about
3: Waterford to you, let's say if you're away or something, mm. you're explaining where you're from. How do you characterise it? Well, I'd always say that it's where Waterford Crystal is from, um, because that is kind of that's the the brand that gets everyone going. they are like, oh, Waterford Crystal. That's but where not it's not made there anymore. I know, I know. We'll get into that later, <laughs> but um, but no, I just kind of describe it as kind of you know, southeast, sunny southeast coastal. 100 miles south of Dublin but not many people know it when you go abroad so it's definitely kind of a secondary city when you're trying to explain it.
0: So what do you think are the main issues um, within Waterford at the moment like what are people talking about what gets people
3: exercised? Well I suppose the thing that you kind of have to understand about Waterford is if you're talking to people down there there's just this feeling that it's been neglected for years and years and years and I think during the recession that was really really heightened but I suppose the main complaints at the moment will be things like the cardiac care service or lack thereof down in uh, the hospital, lack of quality jobs, um, lack of any kind of significant real investment from things like the IDA. Um, it's just a general feeling that we're really overlooked in comparison to other cities, I think. Do you think that's true or do you think... Well, I think if you look at the data, it does back it up. Like in Waterford and just the Southeast region in general, We have, I think, the highest regional unemployment rate, the highest proportion of employees earning the minimum wage, low number of IDA visits, low investment from the IDA, and just a really high brain drain as well. So I think it does actually stack up. I think sometimes there is this feeling like we're so overlooked and it can kind of feed into a bit of an inferiority complex. But I think actually the data does back it up. Mm.
0: And like, what, what... Like, when you're kind of growing up and stuff, what was your why would you have characterised it as a kid as a place to grow up or a place to hang out?
3: It was an amazing place to grow up because it's kind of, it's that nice balance between urban and rural. So, like, when I told people when I would have moved up to Dublin and I would have said, I'm from Watford, there was always this feeling like, oh, like, were there cows around where you lived? And I was like, no, I grew up in a huge housing estate, you know, so there was kind of that nice mix. It's a small city, like, there's 50,000 people, but you do have everything on your doorstep. You have, like, a buzzy town centre, good art scene but then you're ten miles from the beach as well so it was a brilliant place to grow up as a kid actually um, and for a teenager I mean so to this backdrop of you know how how you're
0: kind of characterising the stuff that people feel a bit, bit maligned rightly so being left behind being overlooked that injections of investment aren't coming um, you know that there are issues with employment, for example, well, mm-hmm. issues with unemployment, I suppose, rather than issues with employment and, you know, the healthcare issue, which is such a live issue in so many different places, mm-hmm. um, but but the real harshness of it um, being exemplified by the issues around the morgue and around the cardiac care as you're saying, at the same time there seems, from the, I'm talking from total outsider mm-hmm. perspective now, there does seem to be a vibrancy in terms of things happening there with the like Waterford Walls I think is amazing Mm -hmm. festival like uh, all because street art is so kind of (laughs) pushed out in so many other different urban parts of the country um for a city to be embracing it in that way is amazing and you have you know all together now which has kind of Mm -hmm. become the new picnic in Mm in so many ways and you know in the same way that people kind of equate um you know a lot of people um outside of uh leash equate leash and strap alley with basically county electric picnic I mean I suppose altogether now has the potential to be bringing this different kind of vibe to the county how do people perceive um, the kind of burgeoning festival stuff down there
3: yeah I think anything that brings people down to Waterford is always seen as a good thing like I mean just even from, say, like, Altogether Now or the Watford Greenway, which is, you know, this 46-kilometre kind of wa- uh, walking and cycling trail, I've seen more people go to Watford over the last year or two than I ever would have before. Like, it was just not a place that was on people's radars. So I think that stuff is still really warmly received, but I mean it is also kind of seasonal in one way. So one festival a year doesn't necessarily rejuvenate a whole city. And I think that... There are other things afoot in Watford. Like there's this whole North Keys rede- redevelopment project that's backed by the Saudi Arabians <laughs> that they kind of have um, huge hopes for in terms of bringing like a lot of new retail outlets and tourism and hotel stuff. But I, I think that there's just still a lot to be done if you want to actually really rejuvenate the city and allow it to fulfil its potential because I think that Watford has... So much potential in terms of the infrastructure that's there. Its location, you know, it's a really beautiful historic place. But I just don't feel like it's ever capitalised on it necessarily. But like you said, there's so many creative people doing good stuff down there as well. Whether it's you know between Water and Walls or things like Grow HQ, that kind of the food restaurant grows yourself kind of uh, vibe, and just loads of brilliant uh, people working in the arts and the restaurant scene down there as well. So there is, I hate the term green shoots of recovery, but there is like exciting things happening. Okay, okay Leo, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But there is there is exciting things happening but it just still has a way to go what would you say your favourite bits of Waterford are my favourite bits of Waterford well Dunmore East is one of my favourite places in the world It's where my dad grew up uh, for people that don't know it, it's just this gorgeous seaside village about 10 miles from it uh, from the city centre but it's really really beautiful I used to go on
0: holidays holidays
3: there when I was a kid yeah it's a my really has a hotel there there you go. Which hotel? The Strand. Oh, very nice. Look at this, the difference. I <laughs> yeah. used to go on holidays there when I was a kid. Andrew's friend has a fucking hotel. <laughs> <town laughs> I know, so bougie. <laughs> um, but no, do used to be one of my favourite parts. And then, like, there's so many brilliant pubs. Like, I just love walking into Jeff's, like, on a Sunday evening and, like, sitting out in the beer garden, watching the sunset, or going into Downs's for a Christmas pint. And I love the people in Waterford as well. I do think there's a real resilience and kind of earthiness to them and um, maybe it's because they've like the city has just been through such hard times that there is this kind of like let's all band together and kind of get through it uh, kind of attitude there but I think yeah I think the people and stuff are just uh, Watford people are so proud like I mean I don't know if you know that kind of phrase like I love me county and stuff but there is a real <laughs> there is a real um there's a real pride there and I think if you meet if I ever meet anyone from Watford like it's just instant bonding I do love that what would you do um,
0: to improve things uh, in, in the ways that you've outlined might be lacking? Like, if you had, like, if you were met the minister for Waterford in a newly uh, point a new new role in a newly appointed cabinet by Antishuk Andre Horan,
3: <laughs> um, what would be the things that you would go for? Well I think one of the big things over the last like decade or two decades has been this talk about getting a university in Watford or at least getting kind of university status because um, at the moment there's only WIT yeah. which is you know obviously a great institution and stuff but I think that what it means when you don't have a university in a place is that you're not getting high quality jobs going down there so At the moment, it's not really a place that's feasible for a lot of young people to live because the jobs just aren't there. Like one of the biggest employers in Waterford would be like there's just loads of call centres. And that's really one of the only available jobs to people in there. If you don't finish school, say that's kind of all that's there. Mm. Um, So I think just more investment in higher education in general and then just looking at bringing, you know, say places like Cork would have Firms like Apple and stuff there. Now, I'm not again proposing huge multinationals come, but at the moment there's just a real dearth of quality jobs there. And I think then there's just going to, like, I, I think Waterford and the southeast region has the highest level of dependence. So people under 20 and people over 65. Um, I think there just needs to be something to draw young people back there. And what kind of um, vacuum did um,
0: the, the Waterford Crystal stuff leave mm. in the county?
3: It was huge. Like, I think, you know, that happened, I think it's 10 years ago this year. And I mean, I was still in school when it happened. I was in sixth year and it was just bleak. You know, it was just really upsetting. You had a thousand people out of work, um, really massively affected tourism because it was one of the big draws. You know, you'd have like busloads of people coming to the visitor centre every day and that just kind of dried up. And I don't think maybe the city realised how dependent it actually was on Water Crystal until it went. Because, you know, if you have obviously busloads of people coming every day, they're spending a lot of money. It's all gone back into the local economy. But then when that dried up, there was just this enormous vacuum. And there was also a thing, Water Crystal, aside from the jobs, which was really, really devastating, it was such a part of, I think, just Water Waterford's identity Mm, Point of pride Yeah yeah. exactly So when it went It just felt like A really devastating blow To the whole city
0: And if you were To tell people If they were Popping down to Waterford Which they will be After listening to this podcast (laughs) um, What would be The one thing That you would tell them
3: That they can't miss Or would want to do Ooh, that's a good question. There's actually a lot of really exciting food stuff happening at the moment. Like there's an amazing restaurant called Everett's, um, which I don't think has really gotten kind of national buzz just yet, but it's really, really deadly. There's like a wine cellar that's from the 15th century. It's, it's so cool and great. Um, but I think, I think just going around like doing the Greenway going to Dunmore East going to Tremor like there's just so much there and I really feel like that people, not enough people know about it
0: get a tan get a tan is what you're saying exactly <laughs> go
3: the amusements, do the slot machines
0: <laughs> yes okay listen Amy thank you so much for being our epic uh, Waterford County Rep this week really appreciate it and I have learned a lot even as
3: much <laughs> if not more than Andre's amazing <laughs> Waterford facts earlier in the pod so we really appreciate it actually before you go what are you up to at the moment uh, what am I up to oh, just anything and everything just freelancing writing for the Irish Times uh, appearing on the Jennifer Zamparelli show on 2FM every Wednesday morning sweet yeah uh, and you can find me doing Irish Slebs doing things on Instagram as well that's my little pet project oh awesome. my gosh
0: you are one yesterday yeah. with Koga yeah <laughs>
3: <laughs> thank you so much
0: Emmy. keep up the great work in studio we have Miel Mucker Jim Carroll Jim is from Ortiz Brainstorm, um, formerly of the Irish Times. He has written about ticketing and festivals and all that palaver as long as he's been alive, he claims, even as a baby.
2: I, when I learned to type. The first words I learned to type were uh, MCD concerts.
0: <laughs> Good to no. know. We're going to talk about um, festivals in a second. Obviously, All Together Now is on this weekend and lots of people are buzzed about that. But first of all, the tickets to said festivals and gigs. So mm. Ticketmaster's practices or how what people perceive to be Ticketmaster's practices are kind of repeatedly questioned and it kind of kicks off, you know, at various different flashpoints, especially recently with the whole Lizzo debacle when the tickets went on sale, they'd gone within seconds. That's not, you know, news really to people because we know how quickly things sell out. She's a massive artist. It's not a very big venue. And then you see these kind of like platinum tickets going on sale that are basically just the same seats next to somebody else that are sold for 140 quid and then there's all the different reselling websites blah blah blah. One of the big things they got hammered about is the reselling and repackaging and mm. and in like but the repackaging thing in the same venue and elevating the prices. That mm. was kind of the first time I saw that in an Irish context. Mm. What is the deal with that?
2: Okay, so the deal is, you said there, there's, there's not news. It is news when it happens to someone like Lizzo and people people are like goldfish. They forget. They forget that when you have a big artist playing a small venue, there's always going to be disappointed people. Someone, I can't remember who it was, it was one of those kind of like media marketing companies, said that there was 25,000 tweets about Lizzo on the day tickets. The gig, gig, gig was announced. So you immediately gone, ho, 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 we're in trouble here. Uh, and, you know, they were in trouble, you know, because, I mean, she, if you look at all the other shows she's playing on a European tour, they're all much bigger so there's always going to be a kerfuffle the kerfuffle this time around though, was as you say about platinum tickets and it's very interesting Ireland is, a, Ireland is used as a test case by people like Facebook, Instagram and Ticketmaster to try, to try out new things. Platinum tickets isn't new. It's, it's, it's basically like it's, it's kind of like you know it's Ticketmaster's way of doing secondary ticketing again. Secondary ticketing was outlawed in Ireland so in, outlawed in the commas by Noel Rock and his crew you know they got rid of likes of kind of uh, uh, Get Me In and Seat stop Wave, and, seat wave. Yeah. And, and like they kind of Got rid of that to an extent. You still got Viagogo, and Viagogo is a very interesting thing because Viagogo employed 200 people down in Limerick. So, given that the currency the, in, in train around the cabinet table is jobs, we won't get rid of that anytime soon. So, what Ticketmaster have done, you see, Ticketmaster are in a very interesting position. And like I know people who listen to this podcast, going, We're sitting back, they've got the popcorn out. Jim is going to lash into Ticketmaster. Jim isn't gonna lash in Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster are the whipping boys and all this. Ticketmaster basically are in a situation where they're used by the promoters and especially the artists to take all the flack over tickets. The whole billboard story recently about Metallica and Metallica using kind of like I mean one of their boils to kind of like get tickets to scalpers to make more money is just what it's about. The artist wants to make loads of money no one is disputing that but the artist is an artist and the artist doesn't want to be seen to be making loads of money the true price of a gig if you, if you were kind of like me to price the, the house properly for the Lizzo gig the Olympia take a price for that should be about 200 euros there's definitely the demand there and Lizzo like Lizzo's people I'm sure were kind of thinking, oh yeah we could we could we could like and I've, I've hung out with Lizzo's people and like you know they know the value of money you know those girls know the value of money and the price of tequila and the thing about it is they know they could charge 200 euros Not that gig And they know people would pay 200 euros. But could you imagine the outrage if they charged that? And we've got this situation where, like, the artist and the promoter want to charge as much money as... The the promoter wants to charge as much money as possible because he or she is on the kind of, like, the hook for a fee. The artist kind of knows, yeah, I could charge a lot of money, but... The social media backlash, the the hate I get for doing that. So what they do then is they turn Ticketmaster and go, hey, Ticketmaster, you're going to be the whipping boys and all this. Ticketmaster have no choice. They were purchased by Live Nation many years ago. They were purchased by Live Nation with a huge amount of money on their balance sheet, cash in hand. So like immediately, Live Nation went, yes, brilliant. And they're used all the time as whipping boy. It's a bit like NAMA. It's a bit like NAMA for bad banks. Ticketmaster is basically taking all the flack for all the shit around tickets right that's what's happening so in the case of the platinum tickets for example this is a brilliant ruse I mean it basically means like you know it's, it's like surge pricing it's like I mean if you're going to go and book a, a flight to kind of say for going to go into Barcelona next June as soon as kind of the primavera tickets are announced the ticket they, they see prices for the flight go up immediately hotel prices go up and they're doing something similar their algorithm or just basically some simple cop on knows going to be massive demand for Lizzo so you hold back a couple of hundred tickets you know the artist knows what's going on the promoter knows what's going on? A Ticketmaster take all the flat because the Ticketmaster tickets are sold via Ticketmaster. So with platinum tickets, it's surge pricing. They know there's big demand for the show, so let's hold back a couple of hundred tickets. We don't know how many the tickets are hold back. There's no transparency in the ticketing business. We hold back these tickets and we sell them at the price we think the market will be able to tolerate. Ie, 140 euros.
0: Is that legal?
2: I'm, I'm not a legal scholar, as uh, le- as lawyers in various pub- media publications have pointed out to me time and time again over <laughs> my career. Uh, I don't know. And that's a very good question. You know, I mean, that's something, again, you can ask the likes of Noel Rock, or you can ask the kind of like me the competition authority. Like, you know, it's not fair, but like fair is one of those kind of like four letter words, you know. And I think what 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 you're seeing here is you've seen it's it's basically like, I mean, in many ways, the artists have been caught out, you know, because I mean, they're using platinum tickets to make more money. Because if you when the artists, when Lizzo finishes her show in Dublin, when her tour manager goes, Backstage to do the settlement with MCD with their with their artist rep high noel, high Brian, You know, with someone like that, they will hand them over a settlement sheet. And on that settlement sheet it'll quite kind of go, This is my tickets were sold at this price, this is my tickets were sold at this price, this is the platinum uplift here. So the artist knows full well what's going on going on. Is it legal? That's the question for the legal legals.
0: So this week let's take a totally different artist in a totally different ticketing situation. Katie Lang is playing two shows in the National Concert Hall, and the tickets are a certain price, and then you can buy um, a very VIP ticket and um, meet Katie Lang I'm just looking at the pricing now for like uh,
2: 265 euro 265 euro what to meet Katie Lang get your photograph taken with her Listen. Jesus! The first time I came across, the first time I ever came across this whole meet and greet situation. Uh was, why does well, No, 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 no. This, okay. this, this tells a story. It was it Chris Brown? When Chris Brown played the Olympia or played the uh, Three Arena back in the day before he bet the shit out of his girlfriend Rihanna at the time? Uh, we all know that happened. So, that, that's fine. I remember the weekend before we played five shows, all sold out in the Three Arena, and there was I, I was told you can go down, you can interview him, and just after the meet and greet. So his aunt was organising the meet and greet. So he had this meet and greet where all these kind of these kids had paid, they paid an uplift. I think it was like fifty. Or 60 euros, you know. Not to get punched by Chris Brown, but to actually kind of hang with him, get the photographs taken and basically buy special kind of merch. And I was thinking, like, that's an interesting kind of price point. So the fact that Katie Lang is now flogging the meet and greet package at that price point is madness.
1: My point is... But you also get a concert with that. Paris Hilton has sold meet and greets for
0: the same price and people have bought them and she has no concert. Yeah. The, the thing about the meet and greet thing is, or the VIP thing is, is that you can... D- you can tell that there's something happening for that exchange Correct. whereas the Lizzo platinum pricing thing is the same seats in the Olympia yeah, but this is
2: the beauty of using a word like platinum we'd say here platinum We you think of platinum experience whoa we're getting something amazing you're getting a ticket in the gods you know, yeah. it's just it's just how it's sold and people are very naive if people look into it more carefully they would know hang on a second there's 25,000 people looking for Lizzo tickets in a, in a venue that's got a capacity of 1,200 I'm probably not going to go on but people are very naive about selling like that, when it comes to the platinum thing, they see platinum go, we rush in. I would say that you, you'll see platinum being used a lot, kind of like for teeny or teeny gigs in the future as well, because then you've got Pester Power and you're like, okay, I really want to see Ed Sheeran playing wheelons. Yes, I would pay 10,000 euros for a platinum ticket then, you know?
0: So, Basically, the people to blame are the, the artist.
2: It's the artist. <laughs> the it all artist. comes down to the But well, I mean, Lizzo,
0: you know, she posted a sad face emoji. <laughs> Jesus
2: sure, I could, like, I could, I could post a sad face emoji. I've been interviewed by, interviewed by United Ireland podcast. They take them from Waterford. Sad face. You know, that's no, that's no good. She, she's just, she's in a situation where she's kind of like I mean On one hand, she needs to make money. She wants to make money. She knows she can make money from touring. On the other hand, I can't rip off my fans because I mean they will, All my stands will just like turn on me straight away. And like you know, they are in that. Situation. So, how do they get around that? Well, they kind of, they kind of, more. Yeah, it's all ticketmaster's fault.
0: No, 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 but no. But we no, don't. No. We don't necessarily know. Like different artists uh, are
2: involved. Uh, uh, we, well, no, no. Sorry for cutting across you. Sorry for jumping in like that. It all comes down to the artist. Okay. When Lizzo in, and her her management and agent are drawing up the details for a European tour, there are the dates we're playing. These are the capacity. This is the price we're selling. These are the tickets we're holding back for platinum. They know everything.
1: Do you think they went to a small venue on purpose to drive hype so that they could sell the tickets for more?
2: Uh, I know I, I would say that what happened basically was there was a and I, I, I don't have any information on I don't have any necessarily any kind of like information on this I'd say there was a, a bidding war between two promoters for her to play Dublin uh, if they could put her on in a bigger venue they would have but we're in a situation where we don't have the right venue people might say oh you could do this three arena no 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 Tree arena is a arena if you look at all the other shows she's doing in Europe they're all sort of like what they call theatre size up to 6,000 capacity venues so there's nowhere in, in Ireland that could have, kind of lumped, that could have co- accommodated her
0: yeah but their way I mean also the way that like art, and also the you know,
2: thing as well so again sorry I'm going to
0: kill you
2: I apologise every time but just follow on Andrea's point I saw an awful lot of people on Twitter kind of going whoa Lizzo you can play four nights in the in, 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 on, on Dame Street that's no 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 no. the tours are very scheduled she's in she's out get out move on if that's the way it's going totally. no money to be made out but for.
0: also like there is a trajectory with the artists especially like new artists that are very buzzed Of like Lizzo it's like you know you come to Europe you do the theatre venues the arenas are already booked in down the line or whatever maybe not you know so like I understand that you know she might be just doing that that venue now and there is a beauty to seeing like a really like hyped act in those you know everybody remembers the Olympia shows in Dublin when the new acts kind of come on stream you know that's fine and I don't mind if shit is selling out like in you know 30 seconds mm. but not for these like you saying surge pricing anyway we're gonna just just
2: just to follow up on that kind of point you know I mean I, I, I'm surprised that MCD haven't announced a 2020 show for already because I mean you could sell those tickets like I mean like like Goldust you know announce she's coming in doing one, an outdoor show next year sell the tickets get them out get them, get them rid of
0: yeah um I mean I'm sure she'll she'll be doing like way more stuff. That that's she obvious. She said she's doing an arena tour yeah. next. Yeah. So like it's obviously but, but okay, so let's go back to the another kind of surge of of things with regards to the festival calendar. This episode is about Waterford, your mm. favourite county as a Tipperary man.
2: We bet them many times. <laughs> in the um
0: and altogether now is obviously a, a festival that I think a lot of people thought mightn't have worked. And last year the feedback from people coming from the festival was like this is totally amazing. Um then you have the situation with pod, obviously the death of John Reynolds um you know had a like i mean he 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 was pod uh, mm. let's face it um and then you have their their debts there was a piece in the, in the Sunday Business post recently, which kind of nearly ten million there thereabouts with regards to loans and things out to creditors and so on. but you have this festival that came on in a credit calendar in an untested site it's a new brand. Uh, the lineup isn't super duper star, but it's solid, and it takes off. And you know, once again, you think, God, how many more festivals can we have? The picnic sells out now without even announcing its lineup. Longitude sells out. Focuses on hip hop for the kids. Mm-hmm. That's grand. Big outdoor shows in Marley seem to do well. Ones in Trinity as well. On the Ivy Gardens, Sea Session sells out. Independence Weekend tickets sold out. Body and solid to work hard to sell tickets this year. I feel, even though I was down there, it was really, really nice vibe. Forbidden Fruit, kind of the same. There's that new Kaleidoscope Festival. It seemed to be Melvin Ben trying to maybe steal the Thunder of the Groove Festival down there, get that family-friendly thing going on. You have life. You've got Boxed Off happening in Punchestown with Dennis Sultan, Annie Mac, and uh, Nina Kravitz and all those heads. Sonic and Belfast. The smaller ones seem to be chugging along and thereabouts knock thereabouts Stock, Another Love Story Takes Village Drop Everything's Every Two Years More mm-hmm. About Art I suppose You have the brand new Queer Festival Love Sensation in Kilmainham in a couple of weeks time Then there's the news about Beat Yard today that they may have to move from their Dun Laoghaire uh, venue because yeah. of whatever development going on there or whatever it is um, you've so many Irish people travelling to festivals um, you know as you said yourself before we were we were talking you were you know I'd seen Lizzo Primavera so many Irish people going to Primavera Glastonbury so many Irish people going to Glastonbury as well as people going to various different places seeking out city festivals you know whatever Great Escape Airwaves in Reykjavik what mm. have you um, what were we saying? Homo Block Homo Block yeah. in Manchester Everyone seems to be going to yeah last. I'm going to Homo Block in Manchester yeah. and all you know people grow out of the music and field buzz. they go in for different things like how is this sustain are we mental as in terms of a a a, a population that goes to so much live music mm-hmm. are, are we an outlier mm-hmm
2: basically if you can't buy a gaff you go to a festival you know it, it, it's 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 a lifestyle thing I, I, I'm i not surprised by anything anything you've just kind of said I'm not surprised by the way you've kind of went through and said these festivals are selling out this festival is slow to sell out alt now took off like a rocket the reason why alt took off like a rocket in year one was John Reynolds got arrested he basically had learned all these mistakes with electric picnic it took three or four years for electric picnic to kick in alt now kicked in year one boom and there was a huge it was a massive massive to quote Michael McDool my favourite music business economist there was a gap in the market and there was a market in the gap and it was perfect it was absolutely perfect for it you know all those festivals like we like going out we like experiencing like you know I thought the I thought the boom would have stopped getting boomier a long long time ago I, I really think I mean I always remember I was working as a sub in the Irish Times in 2003 and Hugh Lennon a, I did a piece on kind of just basically in 2003 like 16 years ago calling out all the festivals and shows Robbie Williams like I think Oxygen was still going on that stage lecture Picnic was kicking in no electric like, hadn't kicked in. It, it, it was co- it was coming down the Back road. To, yeah. This is before electric Picnic And like he was, how long is it going to keep going? Like he wouldn't be the like, greatest when it comes to music business e- economics. But this question's been asked for 16 years. You know we've had this growl for festivals. You know the traveling thing that like me said, and Andrea I, I alluded to that was there to an extent as well. There was always heads who went over to Reading in the ni- in the 1990s went over to Phoenix Festival. There, there, that was always there. We just like like music. We like I, I don't think we're now clear. I mean I, I, like you, you look at the amount of Brits who go to the likes of Exit or go to the likes of kind of like. Me, and stuff like that, when we're not, we, we, we like going off. We we, we, we we kind of fancy kind of going off. I'm seeing. I remember the last couple of years. I went to South West, for example. There was loads of Irish people there. Punters, not music business. People, and it's a you hard
0: know. festival to do as a punter. A
2: very hard festival. to it very, very expensive. No, I I, I think you know. I, I think what's happened basically is that like I suppose you you the supply is building demand. That that's the best way of of, of of kind of saying it. The more festivals that come on, you suddenly see the demand for it. Who thought that like mean like you know Joe Kelly putting on a, f- a festival in a holiday village in Cork was going to was going to work? He lost money first year. This year, all grand. He's there. Like we 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 find we find those gaps. And you, you have know. Joe
0: Clark's kind of failure.
2: Or feel a classical thing yeah. you know like I mean like of all the, I remember last Remember last, the first year you put that on sale someone like who know he knows his onions when it comes to live music just kind of this isn't going to work This not, there's no way sold out day one mm. yeah, that's it you you find this you find this way around you know I think there's huge gaps in the market still I think there's all kinds of festivals which could work like I, I like I mean the beach yard thing I'm close to the, the, the Bitonic people and like I mean even getting back there this year I think was, was pretty was pretty remarkable you know there's all kinds of shit over that kind of building over that of that Venue, but like as you said, about building developments that are going on. They're not using the terminal building this year, which I always thought was the best part of the site. You know, then they've also got the right venue, like AKA Jam Park, out in Swords as well. Like, what are they going to do there? That's going to be a slow build as well. You know, we we have that we have that situation. I mean, I, I met someone this morning who works the press up group, and like, I mean, we haven't even mentioned kind of like, I mean, their kind of take on take on kind of like, I mean, entertainment as well. And like, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that the more supply you suddenly see more demand. Mm. That like when things are kind of happening, people want to go to them more, you know. The scatter Now thing was it was, it, it was a complete nother like, I mean, no brainer. You know, you would all these people who just got completely fed up with the electric picnic. You said to me yourself, Una, that at the electric picnic, you could close your eyes and you know exactly where these things were. Yeah. You know, the site is too familiar. And also as it grow, it, it basically has changed this kind of marketing as well, this branding. And therefore, it's attracting a different audience, i.e. younger. So basically like, which is great for young people, yet great for the kids, but like older people are kind of, no, 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 don't want me hanging out with them enter the all brand, together now. Like
0: the level of branding at Irish festivals is whack.
2: No, it's not. Because I mean, it, I don't
0: like it at all. I mean, at
2: Primavera, sorry, sorry again, at Primavera, like the level of branding at Primavera, it's, it, that's a that's a question you need to talk to branding and advertising people. It's not about the level of branding; it's about the kind, the kind of branding. branding and yeah, the, right. the level of branding, level of branding at kind of like Primavera was pretty and serious. You know, obviously you had Red Bull, Adidas. You would say it at a stage, and like there's there's an artist I know, and I remember kind of like saying to him because he was playing at the stage. Dude, they're gonna bring you on stage in an electric car. And he said, No, they're not. Day, he said, "That's a really good idea. Like, bring him on stage an you know, electric like car. You know, Pull and Bear had the stage. Um Ray Ban had the stage. You know, it's like, and I, I, it's it, it, all this. All it was all subtle. It was very subtle. This You knew they were kind of like brand of stages because name. Still so they were
0: lame, though, isn't it? I mean, no, I remember. It, do you well, remember that year at South by Southwest oh, where we saw a, um a bu- at the Doritos party and there a was a, par- a, a band machine. playing in a giant vending machine? It was a uh, Ghostface, <laughs> Ghostface
2: Killer. Ghostface Killer from the Wu Tang Clan and Public Enemy played inside a giant Doritos." uh uh, vending It was machine just a metaphor
0: for the music it was industry,
2: <laughs> and it was just, it was just like you were watching, kind of going, "This isn't happening, dude." And I remember the hotel I was staying in at uh, that that year with leagues. Our window opened out on the on the park where the Doritos vending machine was, and we're just looking out going, "What?" No, this is can't be happening. We have to be tripping. No, it's there. It's well, no,
0: I suppose nothing is as bad as the branding at American festivals of Coachella and all that yeah. like bajillion wristbands. Uh,
2: go back go back to your question there, Una about you kind of said about like the, the over branding of something like Electric Picnic, you know. Uh, there, there's one stage, I remember the last time I was at Electric Picnic, being barred from Electric Picnic by Melvin for reasons we won't really go into. Hi Melvin. Uh, <laughs> basically I remember walking around and coming across like there was music blaring from one stage, and it was a stage that I can't remember the name of it, but it sold vaping things, right?
0: Oh yeah, uh, yeah, Logic. it's a vaping Logic. brand. That's yeah. it,
2: Logic. And I remember Kind of going, oh my god, the music was blaring out it was loud in any other stage. And the music was pretty decent as well, you know, it was old school hip hop and so That's really interesting. Then it kind of cast my mind back to the last time I'd seen that stage and it had been at Beachyard and a Big Grill and there'd be no music blaring out because basically the people who run the Big Grill and Beachyard said, don't be blaring out the music. You're just selling vapes. Don't be blaring out the music. Where's Electropatic? Obviously, anything goes.
0: Yeah and I suppose I guess the thing is like there's always new cycles of people going to festivals and wanting to go to festivals new generations of it even if older people are like man, nah, I don't want to be mm-hmm. like bombarded with Heineken signs anymore or whatever But I think it's a, it's a way of
1: marketing in Ireland we kind of have this way of marketing that's put it in their face put it in their face put it in their face loads of branding and Irish branding and marketing people don't seem to know if you're subtle and do something clever and good that people have an affinity to it rather than having it shoved in their face
2: Do you think Andrea given your background in branding that's down to kind of like the client as much
1: as 100% clients want to put a logo wherever on anything that doesn't move essentially it's like logo 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 it's like if you do something a little bit more clever and add value and make people's experience better then it's better than just logoing it Mm. up I
2: remember having a conversation with music branding a brand uh, client and uh, they were were kind of going about. oh my god the Red Bull Music Academy that's where we wanted to to go to and I was thinking but but like you're uh, you're as far away from the Red Bull Music Academy as you could possibly be but Mm. no they wanted that and they thought they could do the Red Bull Music Academy by doing what you just say plastering their logo absolutely everywhere
0: Sidebar on uh, RBMA which I think is like the most successful branding and music um, initiative ever sure I mean Red Bull have pulled all of their music um, projects now so I mean that's that's like a massive loss for actual, what was actually quite sophisticated and decent mm. um, branding or collabs or whatever you want to call it. And they, now, created,
2: they created a great archive of stuff as well yeah, and, a great and ar- they, digital art and, and enabled the, artists. But the money they spent I, me- I remember having a conversation with someone in New York many was from Red Bull about it and like you know in New York I mean that year we were there in New York in mm-hmm. uh, 2013 and uh, they were everywhere they'd subway ads they'd massive kind of like mean uh, uh, mobile displays in Brooklyn like they were spending I was kind of you're spending an absolute fortune she said Yeah they were he handing
0: said, out like new Red Bull newspapers at Good. every subway stop in downtown Manhattan he
2: said dude we will spend as much on one practice lap of a Grand Prix for a Grand Prix than we're spending here in, in, in New York this weekend that is insane mm. but they're at, that, they're at that level where it's millions it doesn't matter it's millions
0: so back to the festival thing and with um, All Together Now on this weekend and all that kind of stuff my theory on festivals and I want to bounce this off you um, I could have texted you but I invited you <laughs> <laughs> to the studio um, I think that festivals are kind of going to mirror the high street street retail a little bit so you'll have your like big um, kind of flagship brands that people are always going to gravitate towards and then new cycles of consumers will come on stream and they'll always oh I want to have that experience like I want to have the All Together Now experience or I want to have the picnic experience or I want to have the C Sessions experience um, and then there's a the niche stuff that's more kind of grassroots, more specialist, more experiential. That will kind of still do well because yeah. you can't necessarily get it anywhere else. It's very specific, maybe site specific, etc. I think it's in the middle that festivals are going to start to struggle. Like the cookie cutter festival stuff, I think that that's going to get flushed out in the same way that mid level high street brands are ge- are really feeling it.
2: Yeah, give me an example of what the mid level festivals you're talking about here in Ireland.
0: I think that. Um, uh, to ne- I mean, you see, but I'm kind of wrong because I would think of something like a, a something that maybe be music in a field type stuff around like independence or the big top or whatever. But they're selling out, yeah. so I'm wrong. Yeah. So I maybe it's just what what my, I'm projecting my own. Kind of narrative on top of us. Yeah.
2: I remember back when I was doing the blog uh, for the Irish Times, we used to do an annual census of how many festivals were out there, you know. And, and there was there was like it, it was easily into the hundreds, you know. It, it was mental the amount of festivals that were going on. Michael Han had a piece here in the Guardian of Financial Times recently about the kind of the smaller festivals in the UK that I'd never heard of. Loads of these small festivals, and they're all doing great numbers. They're mm. all re- like, I mean, they're all finding their groove, you know. And that's the thing, you know. You've also got to remember as well that uh, that uh, the majority of the festivals you've kind of named earlier on the Irish festivals. They're all promoted by what we call professionals. They're promoted by people who promote for a living. Your MCs, your Aikens, you're kind of like me. The people at the Life Festival, Body Tonic Lads You know, it's like they're all in it. They're all doing other things. They're like I mean, They might be put on yeah, club nights, but they're professionals. The, the, the chances get found out very easily. Back in the blog days, we used to have a thing every summer called delinquent Promoters. They were people who would fuck shit up and what they would do was like I mean it could be like the Killarney Festival where Daryl Downey did and it was a complete fucking disaster it could have been Light like Colour of Sound or Light like Colour Action or Light like No fees or whatever it was in Kilkenny there was people who were coming on and they were chancers they were chancers or they were basically they were getting shit wrong and they, they gave the whole scene a bad name and like people used to always going to say why are you coming so hard down them they're just amateurs they're, they're just well-meaning music fans I can't hold you can't hold the likes of MCD and Aikens and Pod to account if you can't hold, hold everyone else to account as well and all those festivals which we've kind of mentioned and which kind of like happen again and again and again they're done by people who are doing this for a living mm. and like I mean it was professional they need to make money off it So this.
0: I'm wrong in thinking that it's the more generic the, the generic ones will stay the course the I mean like ones, the generic with ones regards stay to the, the, the picnic like um, I too was barred from the picnic uh, back in by John, yeah, 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 yeah. John. So so we, we have, two, we have you know? two, two generations of uh, being barred from the picnic but not anymore, I hope. Never know. Uh, still <laughs> still <laughs> time. Day, um, Hi, Melvin. But one one of the things that I felt about... How's um, the When people would give out about um, the picnic, like, you know, having these kind of nostalgic things about when Pod was running it and like, oh, it was much better, la, la, la. And it's like, for me, when ac- actually when MCD and Festival Republic went into the picnic, the production value and level went up a great deal in terms of you weren't missing half a gig to go to the Jacks there was more than one type of like beer on sale or whatever so it is that balance between people as you said the professionals running things and then somebody going I only want like super duper hyper local artisan mm. like DIY lo-fi stuff a good
2: person to talk to about festivals and how to do festivals in a really interesting way a different way is Mary Hickman yeah. and M- Mary's been involved obviously she's got the, she's got that festival she's got that festival uh, in Cork called Sounds from Sons- Sons- Safe Harbor is it? Yeah, yeah like that. but she's also involved in this mental festival in Berlin called People I think it's called People Yeah it's I, I, the Michel
0: yeah. Hotel folks and her yeah. that's it yeah down, and they did the, it down in Funk House um, in Berlin yeah it's yeah.
2: it's just like the, the attention to detail there is incredible the spend is incredible it's a high it's a high calibre festival and it works because there's people out there who will do it and this is the thing like I was thinking what you said about the kind of like the high street Kind of like equivalent, you know, and you know, I suppose in some ways it, it, it comes down to coffee, you know, in some ways it, it, it's, it's sort of equivalent to like who would have thought we become such coffee snobs in this country, and we have. It's not about it's not about like being snobbish, it's basically about the taste. And like, you know, there are people out there who go to those festivals, yeah, there's people out there who drink Nescafe and they'll go to independence, you know what I mean? But there are people who want that Tree of experience and who go elsewhere forward. And it's just what I'm saying, it's about the supply, the supply creates this demand, you know, and we, we've seen it again and again. And what I find really interesting about fe- about festivals and the life. Music business are and is how it's covered by the media. You know, I mean, like, it's it's just it's just fascinating to see all the different angles that I got out of it. You know, but at the same time, it's like some festivals still think it's just about the acts. You know, and it's gone so far beyond that. Mm. You know, I, you 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 like there's a couple of festivals which are struggling, and the reason why they're struggling is that like they've just become too much part of the furniture. The electric picnic doesn't have to worry about kind of like right now it doesn't have to worry about setting out because it sells all those tickets. they, they, they go straight away because there's people coming through all the time. There are other festivals and you're thinking like. You know, body and soul is one example. You know what I mean? I, I like, I, mean, I I, know that basically they need to, they need to do more work. They need to, they, and, but what do you do? You know, you've been going for so long. Do you take a break? Do you do kind of like, mean like Palooza did and just take a break for a year or so? Like, how do you kind of like reinvent a festival? That's when it gets interesting. You know, what I mean, Let your Picking has done, it, has done it. Faultlessly, it's just it just created this massive, massive buzz that people want to go to it. You know, it is the biggest festival in the country. It's like it's 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 like it's it's Fela rather than kind of like mean oxygen, and like I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be around for another few years, but. What would be interesting is that when it stops selling those tickets right off the bat, when it when it can't sell all kind of like fifty five thousand tickets in one or two goes, when they sell, like I mean, Brian, I remember Brian Spawn sent to me years ago about like I mean how te- how you sell festivals. Brian Spawn with MCD, how you sell fe- how you sell tickets these days. He said it's all about the open. You open big, and then it's like because after that, like I mean you you might, you might sell tickets in the kind of like a couple of days leading up to it, but you have to open big. You know mm. what I mean? You, you really have to open big. So what happens when festivals don't open big? You know, then it becomes then it becomes the kind of like situation where they're getting on to, to my, my, my 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 people in Orchi and buying loads of ads you know? then it comes out like the whole Neil Diamond factor or the Bob Dylan Neil Young factor and you're selling loads you have to buy loads of ads in order to flog those tickets
0: As always Jim we have asked lots of questions we have gone around the houses it has oh, it been an absolute pleasure and there's so much more in this so we're definitely going to be talking about it again and uh, it's so great to uh, hang out and chat about music shit again
2: Thank you very much. It's it's like I'm I'm out of the game. I'm no longer involved in the music business game at all. I keep getting dragged back in. You're
0: pulled out. Okay, buddy. (laughs) Thanks very much. See you in a field. Help us. We
1: are inventing the new Patreon ping. What is that? From now on, you're going to hear a little piece of music, perhaps, that might entertain you and remind you that we need money. It might be, for example, Dance Pig. I love you, you love money. It might also be Cardi one, B. Cardi B. You're your money, your one, the glam <laughs> bitch with the fab nails. But whatever it is, the minute you hear some music about money, that means give us some money. I'll shoot
0: I'll shake a ass. Money. You get a little bag and take it to the store. Money. You get, low cash, money. You fast, you get a cash. You shake a
1: Um, And for people who don't know what Patreon is, because some people don't, it's a website that allows you to support people who are making things that you like. So if you like this podcast... Would it be that hard to give us €3? I don't think so. I think it's time. And just to let you know, we've kind of got into the flow of our podcast now. So we have started doing absolute extra bits for our Patreon people so that we uh, Una did a lovely bonus interview with Sharon Green from the Flea Market. We're going to start doing rewards of tickets to things and all that kind of stuff that you just can't be without. So I think it's time for you to go to patreon.com forward slash United Ireland
0: get in the sea this week Uh, the award goes to Cambridge Analytica I don't know if you've been watching The Great Hack because everybody's been watching it on Netflix and uh, there was more emails released this week uh, that Carol Cadwallader was tweeting about from your own Brittany Kaiser with regards to Cambridge Analytica working for the Leave.eu campaign even though they always said they weren't doing that that they just just doing proprietary work la 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 so when I suppose what's really good about the great hack is that it really brings the information together even if you might know an awful lot of it as well and just realising how amoral these kind of companies are and the shit that Cambridge Analytica was doing was just wild and we're never going to have fair elections again basically unless people just get off social media particularly Facebook So Cambridge,
1: mm, I don't know. I think there's something more to it. Facebook is just a messenger. I think we there's more to it, and that elections have always been like this, but they're getting worse, and there has to be a a new way of doing it. Have you seen the great hack yet, Andrea? I don't go into things. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this week, what's getting in the sea? (laughs) Okay, fine. They can get in the sea, Cambridge Analytica. This podcast is produced by Andrew Mangan and the Media with support from Susie Bennett. Crystal Clear gave us his tuna chicken roll for our soundtrack. Sarah Fox did all of our design. You can
1: find links to all of our socials on our website, unitedirelandpodcast.com. And if you have enjoyed listening, do let us know. And actually, if you have any suggestions for subjects you'd like us to
0: look at for an episode, do drop us a little mail or a DM because we are wide open. Thank you so much to everybody who's been supporting us on Patreon. You are all brilliant. We have some very exciting Tuna Chicken Roll news coming soon. But for now, Andrea. This week's Tuna Chicken Roll. This is kind of being inspired by Love Sensation
1: and the wedding I was at and all of these kind of reasons. It's a kind of a curveball, but I think you're going to like it. It is called Up um, by the Saturdays, but it's the Wide Boys edit. And it is an absolute stomper. I've been Inna Malali I've
0: been Andrea Horan. This has been United, United. Ireland. And that was Waterford. Waterford.
3: <laughs>